Welcome to the podcast for Runaway. I'm the author, Sabine Wilder, here to read my book to you. Let's get started. Chapter 18. Legends. Susan tugged at the collar of her shirt, which felt too tight around her thick werewolf neck. Evie stood in front of her, straightening her own shirt collar before rapping on the guest room door. The formality of it all itched at Susan's skin. She and Evie were expected to be in their werewolf forms, dressed neatly and on their best behavior. They were about to have a preliminary meeting with Susan's adjudicator. It was bad enough to be in the situation they were in with Hunter, but the fact that Fenris wouldn't delay her assessment made Susan even more nervous. Anna stood a pace behind them. She had been summoned as well, though Susan wasn't sure if it was to keep a close eye on her or for some other reason. Everyone snapped to attention when a small gray werewolf opened the door. She sniffed at each of them in turn before opening it wide enough to admit them. We've been expecting you. Please come in. Susan's throat was too dry to swallow, and the air around her too thin. Her head swam as Evie marched into the room, and Susan followed close behind, using Evie to shield her from whatever lay inside. She could feel Anna behind her, but her best friend's presence offered little comfort in this situation. Susan stood for a moment, taking in the cozy sitting room they had entered. The morning light peeked through cracks in the curtains, warming an ornate set of furniture surrounding a coffee table laden with treats. Plates of cookies and slices of cake filled the room with a comforting scent, and a silver teapot sat steaming with fresh tea. This was the last thing Susan expected. She never would have guessed her interrogator's tool of torture would be tea and crumpets. Anna took a seat on the couch, and Susan sat beside her. The cushion beneath her barely gave way, and Susan realized the furniture was built more for looks than comfort. The chairs didn't seem any better, as Evie grumbled, trying to settle into one. It was just as well. There was no way Susan was going to be at ease for this meeting. The werewolf who greeted them rushed off into an adjoining room. She returned with an elderly wolfman leaning on her arm. The hairs on the back of Susan's neck rose. Despite his obvious age, he had a powerful scent about him, like an ancient forest, old and resinous. The old werewolf moved slowly, testing his footing as he let himself be led to the empty chair next to Susan. His cloudy white eyes did not focus, but he still turned his head to face each of his guests, his nose quivering. The young wolf at his side poured a cup of tea, setting it in front of him. Will you need anything else, grandfather? No, darling, he shooed her away. I can take care of myself, and I'd like to speak to our guests in private. Of course. She left the room, leaving silence in her wake. After a moment, the old wolf motioned at the coffee table. Please, help yourselves. Susan grabbed a plate and a piece of cake, but her hand hovered above the table as she realized... There was no type of refreshment suitable for Anna. Evie got up to pour tea for herself and Susan, giving Anna an apologetic look and a warning glare at Susan not to make a fuss. It's good to see you again, Evelyn, the old werewolf winced, trying to settle in his chair. I see Red Oak still has poor taste in furniture. 
Only for our most prestigious guests, Evie sat, placing her cup and saucer in her lap. Of course, it's not like I have any say in the decor. No? I thought you were still on the board here. Replacing the guest room furniture hasn't exactly been a priority. I suppose some things never change. He turned to Susan, but didn't look at her directly. You must be the young Miss Wolf. Yes, sir. Susan didn't mean to jump, but it was hard to keep calm. The old wolf's eyes didn't focus on her, but Susan could swear they were staring at her. Coupled with his scent, Susan found herself completely intimidated by the blind old man. Now, now, he waved his hand in her general direction. No need to be frightened by a dotty old man like myself. You've been told, no doubt, that I am here to judge your deeds and assess your threat to our community. But please, allow me to introduce myself. I'm Adolphus. Susan Wolf. The old wolf turned his nose toward Anna. And this must be the new vampire child. Miss Russell, was it? Yes, thank you for inviting me. Anna sat, gripping the edge of the cushion, looking skeptically at Susan. No trouble at all, my dear. I was curious to meet the new vampire who managed to become a member of the illustrious Burns Pack. Was that sarcasm, old man? Evie laughed. Now, Evelyn, you do yourself a disservice. I know there's a ruckus going on about it, but given the pack history, can you honestly say you're surprised? The old wolf laughed. True, true. What do you mean? Anna asked. Your children really have no idea about our world, do they? Adolphus placed his cup and saucer on the table and sat back, tenting his fingers together. Do you think we've had time to teach them with everything that's going on? Evie said. Well, it's a good thing you brought them both, then. You two are in sore need of a few lessons in the ways and history of our peoples. Like what? Susan mumbled through a bite of cake, curiosity trumping her anxiety. Adolphus raised an eyebrow, folding his hands together in his lap. Traditionally, vampires and werewolves don't mix, at least not on the family level. We stick to our packs and they to their houses. Only recently have the two been adopting each other, and even then, it's usually younger children forming new families. The oldest packs and houses have been somewhat reticent to change. Have you ever known me to play by the rules, old man? Evie sipped her tea. Of course not. Everyone thought it strange when you wanted to adopt less. But then you kept adopting strays. Stranger still, they were not even your own kind. The old packmasters thought you had lost your mind. Wait. Something didn't sit right with Susan. So having a pack of different animals is weird? We're not normal? I've always thought of us as progressive, Evie said. You would think werewolves would be more open to change and accepting others' differences, but old traditions die hard. Usually packs stay within families, which means wolves stick with wolves. Only recently have some of us expanded our horizons. Great. Anna said under her breath, even among werewolves were freaks. Adolphus leaned toward Anna. 
Do you think being different is a bad thing? Anna hesitated before answering. It usually leads to trouble. Yes, it can lead to trouble. The old wolf leaned back into his chair again. Or it can lead to opportunity. Some people think of werewolves as being cursed. Indeed, we are subject to a beast we cannot always control and are capable of terrible things. But many of us choose to see being a werewolf as a gift. We are all capable of great or terrible things. It's what we do with the gift that matters. So where did this gift come from, then? Susan asked the first thing that came to mind, keeping the conversation away from her. Where do you think we came from, Susan? Adolphus asked her. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Werewolf stories are so old, and you talk about us like we've been around forever. Yes, the stories about us are old. It's hard to imagine a time without stories of shapeshifters. Some say we evolved alongside humans for thousands of years. But there's a more popular story, and it's one I'm partial to. Adolphus paused, reaching for his teacup. What is it? Susan took the bait, anything to keep the old wolf going. Ah, the impatience of youth. Adolphus took a sip of his tea, but there was a twinkle in his eye, as if he found something amusing in Susan's curiosity. The truth is, we don't know much about our origins at all. Stories have been passed down in every family since the dawn of mankind. But one thing is consistent in all of them. Humans were here first, and we came from them. I like this idea because it means we are all fundamentally human, no matter how strong our inner beast. Adolphus took another sip of tea, and Susan restrained herself from prodding him further. He set his cup on the table, and his gaze became distant. The story tells us, when man was young and close to the earth, he was friends with the beasts. Different tribes had bonds with different animals, and because of these deep friendships, the animals bestowed their gifts upon man. Each animal selected a handful of humans and granted them their abilities. These humans gained strength, wisdom, and longevity, and could change themselves into their patron animal if they wished. These humans were meant to watch over their tribes— to guide them to live in harmony with their animal kin. However, through the ages, man changed. He forgot himself and the sacred connection with his brothers and sisters. Tribes scattered and mixed. Humans forgot their duty and their friendships. We grew apart from the animals, becoming lost in new societies humans created. Does that mean we were always a secret? Susan asked. In this story, no. We started out as a respected part of the tribe. In fact, some ancient cultures seem to venerate the link between animals and humans. But whether this is true or not, who can say? Over time, celebration of our power and wisdom waned and gave way to fear. For how many centuries has the wolf been a villain in human tales? A manifestation of fear, hunger, and evil. But how could we go from one extreme to the other? Susan asked. 
Fear is a powerful force, never to be underestimated. You should know that firsthand. Susan's throat tightened, and her questions died on her lips. Memories flashed before her eyes of fear taking over her body and transforming her into a monster. Fear could change someone in a heartbeat. It could do terrible things to people. Adolphus's voice gently brought Susan back to the room. Of course, the other side of our emotional nature is that we have a great depth for compassion. If only that was easier to tap into. Susan realized she was being a bit more candid than she should be, but if the old wolf minded, he gave no indication. We become what we practice, he said. The more you exercise your compassion and challenge your fears, the better you become at controlling them. But what if I make a mistake? What if I hurt someone in the process? Susan searched Adolphus's gray face for any hint of absolution, but it remained an unreadable mask. His voice, however, was kind when he spoke. We all make mistakes, child. What matters is what you do after you make one. Susan decided it was time to drop any pretense she might have still had. It was time to lay everything on the table. I don't know that that matters. I can't fix what I've done. I can't bring Jim back. True, you can't change the past. The old wolf paused, weighing his words. But you do have control over yourself in the present. Do you let doubt cripple your mind? Do you let your fear own you? Or do you allow yourself to accept compassion? These weren't the kind of questions Susan expected from her adjudicator. He wasn't so much judging her as guiding her. Is this some sort of test? I don't ever want to lose myself like that again. It was horrible, but I can't forgive myself either. I keep thinking about Jim and his family and what I've done. To be honest, I don't know what to do with myself. Hmm. Adolphus's nose quivered in Susan's direction. I've lived for so many years, sometimes I forget how long it takes wounds like these to heal. It can heal if you let it. Or it can fester and take over your life. While you have been through something horrible, Susan... You must not let it consume you. Easier said than done. No one is suggesting it will be easy. Anna's hand touched Susan's arm. Nothing about their lives was easy at that moment, but at least they had each other. So where do vampires fit into all this? Susan changed the subject. The fur around Adolphus's eyes crinkled. Susan couldn't tell if he was smiling or scrutinizing her. Vampires were not among the original tribes. They are products of a certain group of wolf children. You mean we were made? Anna's interest piqued. Not quite. Unmade would be a better way to put it. But let me tell the tale. There was once a group of brothers... Fierce warriors, renowned throughout the lands for their strength in battle. They were proud of their ties with the wolf, but their power and fame corrupted them. They began to revel in bloodshed, slaughtering their enemies without mercy. After one battle, 
the warriors destroyed everything. They left nothing alive in their wake and burned everything that remained to the ground. This destruction and disregard for life angered the spirit of the wolf that the brothers claimed to emulate. So the wolf spirit cursed these men, that they should know a thirst only blood could slake, and that only by the moon's light could they hunt. The light of the sun would burn their flesh and force them into the darkness that had consumed them. Adolphus paused, tilting his face away from Anna. Lastly, vampires cannot bear children of their own, though they can inflict others with their curse. That's a sad story. Anna dropped her gaze to her lap. But vampires are still strong and fast and live long lives like us, right? Susan tried to pick out something positive to hang on to. So did they really have their gift taken away? It's hard to say for certain, Adolphus mused. Some say the gift could not be rescinded, only changed. What about their ability to shift? Susan asked. Aha! A point of much contention. Adolphus jabbed a claw in the air. As far as we know, vampires could still adopt the wolf's form. Or at least they used to be able to. Don't fill their heads with nonsense. Evie bared her teeth in distaste, but was careful not to look at Adolphus while doing so. Now, Evelyn, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not true. No one has seen a vampire shift for hundreds of years. I have seen it, Adolphus said, once in my youth. A strange and incredible thing. Sadly, the art has been lost among modern vampires. How do you forget how to shift? Susan couldn't understand. Shifting was supposed to get easier with practice, not harder, and for the ability to disappear completely was an unsettling thought. Well, the mechanism for shifting seems to be different for vampires than for werewolves. The key to their transformation continues to elude us, though certainly not from lack of trying. It's a popular topic among the younger generations, Evie snorted. However, the elders feel like trying to figure it out is a waste of time. Or they are discouraged and have given up on themselves, Adolphus said. I've always thought it was a redeeming clause in the vampire curse. As you are aware... Some vampires are made through entirely no fault of their own, and many question why they should pay for the sins of the past. It is said that the wolf form is a reward for the most virtuous of vampires because it enables them to walk under the sun without burning. Saying that is like saying every vampire in existence today deserves the curse of their forefathers because they can't shift. Evie struggled to keep the growl from her voice. How can you put that kind of pressure on them? Now, now, no one really knows the truth of the matter. Then don't fill their heads with rumors and fairy tales, Evie snapped. And why not? Adolphus grinned, baring his teeth in Evie's direction. Perhaps what we need most is a fresh perspective. Just because the method is lost does not mean it can't be relearned. Or... Better yet, reinvented. 
I'm telling the children fairy tales not to make them feel inadequate, but to inspire them. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see what they come up with. That concludes chapter 18. Runaway is currently available for you to listen to for free. I will release a new chapter every week until the book is finished. But if you can't wait to find out what happens, the ebook is available through Kobo and Amazon. Just search for Sabine Wilder or get a direct link from my website at sabinewilder.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to give me feedback, you can always email me at sabine at sabinewilder.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and help me grow. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant night.